listening to Hands at Work Audio. Each year, Hands at Work in Africa gathers around a scripture, which is for hands a guiding watchword to take us through the year. George Snyman gave that word from the hub in South Africa to launch the 2017 year. You know, when I was trusting God for 2017, even before the watchword, just praying and thinking about 2017, I said to Carolyn, I said, I really, really trust God that all these things that, that fell upon us in 2016 and 2015, it's going to be, it's going to come to an end. We're going to see it. I prayed, we fasted, we stood, we confessed, we did introspection, we pleaded with God. We said, Lord, this is the season. We're not going into a new year with this baggage. And I visualized the watchword, see, I'm doing something new. And we're going to be excited and rejoicing and say, hallelujah. This is going to be a wonderful season. In this time as I was seeking God and I was thinking about that, I realized how our theology is shaped and how we are taught by, by our church and our leaders and ourselves. How we try to teach that, that, that God wants us to... When I bring a message of a new year, it must be, this is the year that you're going to fly and you're going to do these amazing things. I think, I think if, I, if I had to record 99% of the sermons that was preached in the first Sunday in January, in Africa especially, was, this is your year. God's favor is going to be so upon you that nations is going to come to you. You're going to have it all. all this, you're going to find favor there and there and your health and your wealth and everything is going to be for you. But Jesus, Jesus said something else. Jesus said this, in this world you will have tribulation. <coughs> but take heart. I've overcome the world. Now that is a word. That is a word that Jesus gave us that's real, realistic, honest. He said, guys, you live in a broken world. And Jesus doesn't say to us, this is going to be here. He said, guys, you live in a broken world. But take heart. I have overcome this world. So as you gather, <laughs> this dream I had that 2017 is going to be this whew, new year that we're going to fly, never materialized. And most of the challenges, if not all of them, are still with us in January 2017. In fact, towards the end of 2016, it got worse. When I got one phone call towards the end of the year, I said to Carolyn, I think that's it. I don't think we're going to recover from this one. When I watched some of you guys willfully making bad decisions about your life because you don't want to be confronted <coughs> on the crises you face, it broke my heart as I saw it. 
it got worse. And it's January and we're sitting with those things. When I look back in 2016, two words though. For my summarized 2016, two words. Tough and wonderful. It's just bizarre. Tough that every storm that could hit us, hit us. I mean, it's just amazing. It's against all odds that all these things could happen to us. And yet I've never had a year where I've seen existing and new leaders thriving and growing in the midst of this pressure and challenges. I've never seen the Hans community grow as much as we did last year. We have eaten a few bags of salt together last year. And you know, I thought about that and I thought, yeah. And that's what made us so thirsty. Because that salt made us so thirsty. And there's one who said, come and drink from me and you will never thirst again. You know, if you think about our year last year, just take it for a moment. Literally, we faced droughts where we watched children wasted away in front of our eyes. I remember when I was in Honda Valley and it was so hot, it was over 45. And the grandmother said to me, we don't know what's happening to the weather. She said, but we can't be out of the hut after 10 in the morning. It's just like an oven. I sat with, with, with a, a woman and three children and Farai where the husband got up in the middle of the night and he ran away because he couldn't face their children and their hunger anymore. I sat in that hut. I listened to a woman telling me how she leaves her four children, the oldest one is about 13, alone for three weeks with no food, nothing. Leaves them, go from Honda Valley to Mutari to try and buy and sell so she can come back with one bag of maize. But she doesn't know what's happening to the kids for that three weeks. We saw that this year. We faced drought. We faced war. We were in villages where we saw how the people came in, the, the government and the rebels, attacking each other, attacking the village, trying to intimidate them, scare them, shoot them, rape them, loot them. I went in those villages with Farai. I sat with women, one woman, 55 years old. She refused to leave that village because of the grandmothers and the children. She said, I'm not leaving them behind. I sat in that village around the fire with Farai at about nine o'clock at night and I watched this grandmother, this woman, <coughs> 55 years old, walking into the bushes to go and sleep in the bushes because the rebels wanted to kill her. They came at night to look for her. Every night she go and sleep in the bushes. Five o'clock in the morning, she's at our feeding point, cooking <coughs> for 150 children. I was with Eric and Goma, how they swept through Aluhonga and Bohimba. 
We faced war this year. And then most probably the worst of all, we faced daily our own fallen nature and our persistence to be immature and to be sinful and to be ungrateful and to bring division and argue and fight and scream and demands daily in the midst of all this attack from outside we experienced our own brokenness maybe more than ever it's been a tough year <laughs> and it's good that we call it a tough year because there we can start working from be real, be honest but in Psalm 46 we read this God is our refuge and strength an ever present help in trouble therefore we will not fear even though the world give way and the mountains fall in the heart of the sea though the waters roam and foam and the mountains quake with their surging we will not fear Paul when he faced all these challenges every one of them that I spoke about Paul faced you can go and read it in the Bible Paul contemplated about them he thought about them and he said this well what then shall we say in response to this if God is for us who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things who will bring charge against those who God has chosen it is God who justifies who is it that condemns Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution or drought or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we face death all day long we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered no in all these things in all these things did you guys hear that not over we are not immune false doctrine false teaching this year you are going to be over that false teaching that's why so many people leave the faith Jesus said in the midst of the storm in the midst of persecution in the midst of a drought in the midst of war we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus for I'm convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present or the future nor any power neither the height nor depth or anything else of all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord 
in the midst of it. It's going to be tears. There were tears this morning. There were broken hearts. The last few days, as we sp I spoke to many of you about this year that went past, we were hurting. Our lips were shivering when we spoke. We had tears. We, we felt hurt. We felt betrayed. We felt even, God, why do you allow this? But there was an underlying thing that came out in the worship this morning. It is well with my soul. You know the person who wrote that hymn, right? He lost his whole family. His whole family was wiped out in the most terrible things. And he was in the middle of the sea where his wife and daughters drowned. And the captain said to him, it was here where the boat went down. All his sons burnt in a fire in America. And he stood there that night under the stars. And he wrote that song. It is well with my soul. Hands, can you say this morning, in the midst of all these things, it is well with my soul. Because God is with <coughs> us even though we cannot see it do you think the christians in syria can see god is with them do you think the christians in iraq can see god is with them but they hold they hold god is with us yes we believe we are part of a new kingdom. And in this kingdom, we've got a confidence, a quiet confidence that's unexplainable. Paul speaks about it in Philippians 1.6. He says this, being confident of this, that he, practice, listen, I want you to let this sink so deep in your spirit. Be confident of this, that he who began the good work in you, well, carry it to completion. He who started this work, there's some of you who want to run. Do not run. Don't. He promised. He promised. He said, I will look after you. It may not look like it. I will keep you and I will do the good work in you. I will finish it. I will do it. That's God's promise to us. So here's the watchword in the midst of all of that. With us taking a reality check. We are back in the book of Romans. It just seems like we're not going to get out of it. <laughs> Chapter 12. This is what God is saying to us, hands. Be joyful in hope. You must be, what God, are you serious? Be joyful in hope. Listen to these words. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Guys, I have never in the 21 years received a word that's so deep and rich in meaning and so incredibly exactly hands intimately our situation and who we are everything is in these few verses 
We're going to be doers. We're going to let God do what He needs to do in 2017. Because you know what I do believe? I do believe that this season, whenever it's God's time, is going to end in a great way. That is true. When the season is finished, we will prosper. We will be finished with His work in us. We will. And so there is that promise from God that when I'm finished, that you will look back and say, this was a great season. I want to just touch on a few things. Joy. Joy, friends, is not happiness. It's not to be happy. Happiness depends on if you get what you like and if you don't get what you, then you're not happy. If I do something that Tyler likes, I'll make him happy for a short while. But the moment I stop doing it, Tyler is not going to be happy anymore. Joy has got nothing to do with that. Listen to this verse. Do not be afraid. This is the angel saying, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. Our joy, our joy is deeply, deeply entrenched in our understanding who Jesus is and what He did for us. It is done. On that cross, He said, it is done. That curtain was ripped from the top to the bottom. We have got access. We are adopted sons and daughters of our Father. We rejoice in that. Our joy is in that. And the circumstances around us can make us happy and unhappy, but it can never steal our joy. That's why Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Joy is a hallmark of the kingdom of God. But you know, joy is also a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy. So have you got the Holy Spirit in you? Then joy is, is something that the Holy Spirit is in you. It's not, you don't have to be winded up to have joy. You don't have to say, if I can only have that, I'll be joyful. Joy is that Holy Spirit that dwells in you. And in the midst of everything that seems to go wrong, you don't understand it. It's against, it's against what is in front of you. There's a, there's a joy that comes. We read in, in the early church, that they always ate together with joyful and grateful hearts. We know it was a deep part of the early church, that joy. But hope, hope keeps us from worrying. Hope is, there's a big difference. Like happiness and joy, there's a big difference between hope and wish. But if you look at a, a hope, people say, I hope it's going to rain. I hope I can get that car. I hope. It's like love. I love rugby, I love Jesus, I love my wife. Like, really? Hope is not wish. You've got to hear that this morning. If you want to have the hope. Hope is a deep understanding 
that we know something is coming in the future. He said, I will not leave you behind as orphans. I'm coming back to fetch you. There's enough place for you in my house. Do you hear that? I'm coming for you, said Jesus. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I quote Melissa. Melissa wrote something to some of us as she reflected 2016. And this is what Melissa said. Hope in Christ is the one sure thing that is an anchor to our souls. It's unshakable, unchangeable, always faithful. Sure. It's the one thing that can steady us in each and every storm that we will face in this life. And we will face many storms. My prayer is that each one of us will be so deeply anchored in this hope this year that we will stand and serve together as we fight for our children. 2017, I can't say to you God's favor is going to be so upon you, you're going to walk in water. I can't say that to you. But I can say to you, if you don't run away, if you put your body on the line and you say, those children, it's my core. If you do that, God say, I will give you a deep hope. That hope will be the anchor. That will be the thing when you want to run away, not just from problems, but from yourself. God say, stick it out. I'm going to go with you all the way. You've got a deep, assured hope. You don't have to wish that God's going to pitch up. He said, I will. I'm your hope. Patience in affliction. Eee! Patience. Dan. Patience is such a huge word. Listen to this. Patience. Active, voluntary, steadfast endurance. Active. So you must do it. Voluntary. You must choose to be patient. And you must continue to do it all the time. It's a willingness to wait upon God's will. That's all it is really. Isn't it incredible? We, are, we look at something, we look at our finances, our health, our challenges, we look at people around us that we hope will change, it doesn't happen, and we say, Lord, I'm going to be patient. I'm not going to throw my toys out of the cot. I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to scream. I'm not going to run. I'll patiently wait. Wait. Patience. It's a characteristic of love. Do you know that? Love is patient. Love is patient. You're going to have to be patient with God. Wait till He does what He said He will do. And you're going to have to be patient with each other. Love God, love neighbor. We've got to learn to be patient with each other. David said, our souls wait for the Lord. He's our hope and our shield. Our souls wait. We wait for Him to come. We are patient. James said, be patient therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit on the earth. Being patient 
about it until it receives its early and late rains. You also be patient. You know, when I was in Swaziland with um, Becky, it was terrible. The maze was this big. There was a scorching wind. There was not a cloud in the sky. People were crying. We walked to one lady's field. And that lady stood there and she just poured her heart out. She said to us, I don't know how me and my children are going to survive. What can we do? Becky said to me, George, don't you believe in miracles? I said, I believe in miracles. She said, why don't we see them? I said, Becky, go stand in that field. Pray. And Becky stood that afternoon in that field and she prayed. That evening, me, I sat with... Um, Vusi, about 30 meters from that field, we sat in a corrugated little tin shack and we listened to the heavens opening up and the rain poured upon that woman's field. I saw it with my own eyes. I saw the doubt in Becky's face. I saw how Becky felt. God, where are you? Look at those poor people. God, it's not like I want four houses and again. This, this is their lives. And that little plants were dying. And Becky stood her ground and she said, I will wait upon the Lord. She called on his name and he came. Patience. Wait. When everybody runs away and give up, we'll be patient. But affliction, whoo. That's a terrible word. It fits in with, again, nobody speak about affliction, right? If, you, if it's affliction, then it's a devil. And if you love Jesus, you'll never go through it. You'll be fine. But it's, of course, not true. In fact, 2 Corinthians 4.17, listen to this verse. For this light, momentarily, affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. God is saying, there's a small moment of affliction that comes now and then. You know, we don't understand that affliction because it is against God's character. That word in Hebrew, Anna, if you look at that word, it says when God afflicts us, He doesn't do it from His heart. He can't afflict us from His heart because He loves us too much. Affliction is when we are bowed down and humbled. And God allows it to happen temporarily at some stages. But his dream for us is to be upright, strong, healthy. But there's times that we don't understand why. Sometimes it's because of our own lives. Sometimes it's just the privilege to suffer with Christ. Do you know that? It's, it's very clear in the Bible that we've got the privilege to suffer with Christ. So how can we complain when we do suffer with him? So bear that affliction. Bear it patiently. Faithful in prayer. <laughs> I don't want to speak too much about faithfulness because it's too big. But we're going to discuss it big in our studies this year. But God say, be faithful in prayer. I want you to continue to pray. Guys, in hands at work, we pray. We pray all the time. I believe God is encouraging us to pray more. We pray as individuals, we pray as corporate. We constantly encourage teams to pray, couples to pray, friends to pray. Pray, pray, pray. Carolyn, I believe, 
Those who pray together stay together. It's the first thing you'll see when marriages fall apart. I spoke to somebody two days ago and I said, the truth is we haven't prayed together for months. I said, and you want me to counsel your marriage? You haven't even spoken to the one who put you together. How can you stay together if you don't pray together? Pray is hard work. But we believe in hands. We've got the incredible ability to influence God's actions through prayer. Just like Becky did that day when she prayed. We can influence God. God is allowing us to influence Him through prayer. And that gives us a huge responsibility. So in hands at work, we say, we've got to pray together more. Sharing with the needy. Okay, we're getting to the end. Hang in there with me. Sharing with the needy. There's, for us in hands, there's two things. First, we call upon each one of us, George, Levi, Alicia, each one of us, that we must constantly and continually, generously, sacrificially give. Friends, it is an acid test. You know, you get certain acid tests where you can test if a guy is a pure coffee drinker. <laughs> if he puts milk and sugar in, don't mix with him. Okay, he knows nothing about coffee. <laughs> so, 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 you know, in certain things, Bernard will tell you if, if you support um, Munich soccer team, there's certain things. He can listen to you and he can say, ah, Levy, we know Levy loves mercy and Barcelona. If you speak to Levy, you understand. He knows exactly what it means to be a purist. Well, that's the same. If you understand, if you understand that you were in a hole, you were unattractive, you were certainly not the most shiny stone among everybody. You were just a broken one coming from a broken family and in some crazy way God said I choose you I choose you we don't understand it we don't I choose you not only do I pull you out of the hole I'm taking you home I clothe you I wash you I care for you you are mine you, I, I, I take my spirit and I put it in you I call you now my son you are my son if you understand that the acid test is that you will be a, a walking wallet. <laughs> I'm serious. You will not be able to walk past somebody that's got an emotional, a physical, a spiritual, whatever need. People say, I don't want to evangelize. I don't know. You've never been saved. How can you receive that gift of salvation and you don't want to share that goodness to somebody else? You've never received it. Or you denied it. Walking past somebody that suffers, somebody that struggles. So first of all in hands, each one of us must become walking wallets. Now, I'm not just talking money now, you know what I mean. But as a family, we must spend ourselves constantly, continuously. One of the things that we want to challenge you guys on right in the beginning of this year is that we want to ask hands community that we adopt our own CBO this year. I think it's going to be Machino in, in Mozambique. I'm making appeal to each one of you. Each one of you. 
join me and everybody in hands and let us adopt the community. Let's do it. It's part of us giving. It's part of our lives. We can do that. But then secondly, we challenge the wider church worldwide and say, come on, learn how to give. Become part of serving and giving. But we can't challenge other people if you as an individual and as we as Hans family are not sacrificially giving. You know, I, I'm tempted to say my, we believe in a pension plan, but uh, in Ecclesiastes you say, cast your bread on the water and many days later it will be returned to you. You want to look after yourself one day. I tell you, be careful not to start hoarding now because you will, be, you will become so compelled, you'll become so consumed by it. You'll never have enough and you will rob yourself from many opportunities to be a blessing because what about if I'm getting old? What about, I'm not saying don't think about it. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying it can become something that robs you from becoming an amazing person that can pour out their lives. The Bible says, you give away generously now while you're productive. You let it go. You give. I promise you at the right time that bread will come down that stream again and you'll harvest. When we were on our holiday in Namibia of all our children, grandchildren, one evening we sat with our children and we spoke. And they spoke to us about one day when you're going to be old and... <laughs> What are you going to do? And we start sharing with him. And Joshua, you know, he's still so logical and everything. But I could see in his eyes as I shared with him my deep conviction that the best way to look after yourself one day is to pour yourself out now. I could see that seeds hitting deep in his spirit. He might still argue with him. He might still, but I could see. He knew that there's a deep truth in that. So I want to encourage you guys. Be generous. Let it go. Give. God promise He will take care of you. Okay, so practice hospitality. Just want to touch on it. It really literally means pursuing hospitality. And let me just give you a few things to touch on. Very short and brief. The one would be, Hebrew speaks about being hospitable to the unknown, to the stranger. The guy you pick up on the side of the road. Somebody in hands, a leader, told me this week. I say, he just, we were at a conversation, a person just said, oh yes, and I picked the old lady up on the side of the road. And, and I thought, hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a culture in South Africa. Don't pick up anybody. I say to you, pick them up. Don't be stupid. You don't pick up four guys with long knives. <laughs> them up. You were picked up. And you know what? You looked like a scully. <laughs> you looked like a criminal when Jesus picked you up. Don't be scared to pick them up. Love them. Even if they have bad intentions. I tell you, when you pick them up, they get into your car, they experience the love of Christ. They will be sipped up. So Hebrews say, when you do that, you actually entertain angels also. If you want to, I can tell you one day it happened to me. I picked the old lady up and she literally disappeared in front of me. Literally. I truly believe I picked up the angel. But then the poor, 
We must be hospitable to the poor. And, and Isaiah speaks very beautifully about it. Um, those who are homeless, those who are lonely, feed them, bring them in your house, give them shelter. So hospitality is not Brenda and her team. Do you understand? Hospitality is a hallmark of somebody that's got Jesus in them. We've got to be more hospitable. But it's also a command to lead us. Timothy clearly speaks about, Paul speaks to Timothy and he said, if you want to be a leader, you've got to be hospitable. But it's also a sign of a disciple of Jesus. If you're a disciple, you will practice hospitality. In Matthew 25, he'd say, come to me and be with me. Why? I was lonely and you visited me. I was hungry and you fed me. It's a, it's a hallmark of somebody that follows Jesus. You will be constantly looking for a reason to be hospitable. It's crazy, isn't it? In this world, we, we, you come and I invite you and, you know, Jesus said, no, open your doors. Open up. Bring them in. So I've just touched on a few things. And then the last one is, you can be hospitable to Jesus. Do you know that? Jesus said in Revelations, I'm standing where? At the door what? What do I want to do? I want to do what? I want to come and eat with you. Jesus say, I want you to invite me into your house and to come and be with me. And I, I want you to be hospitable to me. Crazy. The creator of the universe is saying to you, practice hospitality with me. With him, people around us, angels, hands, we are called to practice hospitality. And then of course, the church. Every time a team comes here, what do we do? We practice hospitality. So it's not just Brenda giving them food and a place to sleep. We engage. We go with them. We love them. We eat with them. We take them out. Why do we do it? Is it just one of those hands rules? No. So let's go back to the watchword. I'm finished. Be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction. I want you to think as I'm saying it to you. Joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Okay, guys, we're not going to run. <laughs> faithful in prayer. Think about that beautiful word, faithful. Who's faithful in your life? Who's the first person you think of? Don't say to me, Jesus. If you think about a person, think of that, your, maybe your mother. For me, Carolyn represents the word faithfulness. She's two o'clock in the morning. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter. She's always available. Jesus, I want you to be faithful. Not when it suits you. <coughs> Faithful in prayer. Share of God's people who are in need. Not three essential services from a donor's money. You're just the administrator there. 
the reward will go to the donor one day. Not to you. Don't make a mistake. Don't lie to us. You're not going to be rewarded one day for somebody else paying for a child's food. That person is going to be rewarded. So have you got any rewards that you're busy piling up? But I don't have enough money. Let me, let me just tell you, when it talks about giving, nowhere in the Bible does it say, rich people you must give. It says give. And if, if Jesus died for poor and for rich, then they, and they understand it, poor and rich will give. Many of us are dirt poor because we don't give. Poverty is a curse. We're too poor to give. Well, you are poor because you don't give. We've got to learn all of us can give. All of us. And we're going to practice hospitality. As individuals, as a family, we're going to entertain strangers. We're going to have people coming unscheduled, like Fazem and Anna. Yeah, we embraced them, right? Outside the orientation, you did well. You were hospital when you did that. You were stretched. That's how we do it. We're going to have orientations. We're going to have teams. We're going to have strangers, I hope that we will bring you and look after them. And in your house, not always in, in a village, but in your house, let's do it. Because that's all the hallmark of a new kingdom that we are part of. Let's pray. <coughs> Father, we thank you for the word that you've given us for 2017. And it's only through your Holy Spirit that we can be joyful in hope. That we can be patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. That we can share with those who are in need. And that we can practice hospitality. But we say yes this morning. Because we know that this word is exactly for hands. And this is how you encourage us. You say don't run. And it's not over. And there's still going to be storms. But I am your hope. I'm with you. You can have joy in the midst of it. There can be lots of laughter in the midst of the tears. Holy Spirit, we invite you this year into our lives. We invite you. We call you. Fill us. Fill us. It's only through you that we can do this. And may this year be a wonderful year of a close walk with Jesus. And like Job said at the end of the book, I've heard about you, but now I've seen you. May each one of us be able to say that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. www.hensetwork.org